B2B SaaS is notorious for revenue-driven development where literally everything gets tied to, well, this company is going to pay us so much money, we have to do what they want. And though I empathize with the folks trying to get that through, because at the end of the day, that also gets lots of people to experience Envoy, it's definitely no way to, to build innovative things and exciting creative things too. This is a thing that I push for extremely aggressively to, to focus on kind of the impact. I see it now more than ever how much this focus is, is important. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, Larry Gadia, CEO and founder of Envoy. Welcome, Larry. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Before SaaS Doc, I started a blog called SaaS Drive and I got you on for a Q&A. This must have been like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember I was looking at, I was looking this up right before this and I noticed it's like, hey, wait a second, we've talked and like, this was this was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah so much yeah. has changed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But so we're great to have you on, on the podcast for the first time. Um, and uh, But yeah, I guess for those that, that don't know you, Larry, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are um, and then a little bit about Envoy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my name is Larry Gaddia. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Envoy. Uh, Envoy is basically this kind of revolution for the workplace. Uh, there's all these different things that people are kind of put up with in the workplace, be it just like going through security practices, be it uh, dealing with the process like like package management or or visitors coming in or meeting rooms. What we're trying to do is really bring a little bit more delight to all of this. And and what we're we started with this product that a lot of people have used, which is kind of at the front desk. You type in your name, your email, uh, maybe sign an NDA or something like that. It was more like a security product for the for the front desk. But now uh, it's just expanded into this whole suite of products and. We're building now also for, for COVID and, and these times. And, and now it's, it's growing into more and more businesses of different types uh, since I guess even the last time we've spoken. But it's, it's just incredible. It's something over 14,000 uh, offices using our, our products on a daily basis. And, uh, and then it's, it's an all around the world, uh, translated in multiple different languages. And it's, it's just this big change that's happening in the workplace. People are expecting a lot more focus on experience and a lot more focus on, on thoughtfulness with data. And uh, hopefully Envoy is able to help a lot of these companies. And it seems to be, it seems to be working. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, I've, I've seen Envoy, you know, all over the place in, in London, every office that, you know, I've ever signed into um, <laughs> had, had Envoy. Uh, which, which is great, um, and, and obviously, uh, I think you know since the, the the impact of COVID, you guys have you know pivoted into uh, some new products, which we'll get into in a bit. Before Envoy, um, uh, I remember you used to be uh, an engineer at, at Twitter, right? Yeah. And so, what gave you the idea then to kind of leave Twitter, you know, fly your your, your Twitter wings, uh, and then go <laughs> and, and create uh, this product, or just create your own startup, like let, let alone sort of product. So, you know what? What was the what was the the, the idea the uh, to to do that? And you know, how did you feel at the time leaving Twitter to create your own company? Yeah, it's it's a scary moment for anyone, that's for sure. Um, but I, I I should mention that it was it was it, the decision became easier and easier as I spent more and more time in Silicon Valley. Um, 
basically, so before Twitter, I was actually at, I was at Google and I was doing a whole bunch of different, I did front end development, back end development, and even some um, different kinds of mobile development as well. And then when, um, and when I joined Twitter, it was like, okay, cool. This is a very small company. Twitter at the time was 40, 50 people. So much, much smaller than, than it is today, of course. And, and it was a really nice kind of period because we, I just learned so much about what it's like in a smaller company. There's very little that's organized. There's very little that's, that's that, there's so much that you want to do that you really just can't get to because you just have these burning things that you have to deal with right now. So those kinds of situations, actually, I thought were really, really interesting. And, and even when, when joining Twitter, I was like, this is going to be a really interesting ride because this is a really early stage company. Now, what's interesting is I was a, I was a back-end systems engineer, and, and normally these people, they don't really make it to, like, they don't, they don't end up running a company that, like, does uh, front-end user-facing things. But um, the way that, that it kind of ended up going is, is I was just kind of, I was really interested in how my software was being used. Like, yes, I did back-end scaling and systems and, and that kind of thing, but it, it really ended up being this thing that it's, as I was visiting different friends in, in different companies, as I was like, cause, cause at Twitter, it's like, it was this big thing and it still is, but like I went to, I had friends in every single type of company and I'd go say hi, uh, just bounce around different ideas um, to the point where I noticed this one thing, Hey, whenever you go into somebody's office, there's a lot of like processes you have to do. You don't really know which door to go in. You don't really know who to talk to. Um, is this the right time or is that the right time? And and then once you're in, you're not really sure kind of where to go either. And, and it just seemed like this thing. It's like, why am I even having to think about this? So basically what I, what, what I ended up thinking about is like, hey, maybe there's something we can do literally around the workplace. I remember at Google, it was all thought through. All the little pieces were figured out. At Twitter, like they tried their best. And let me say, like Twitter was above and beyond uh, most companies by far. But like... We didn't have some things. We didn't have anything for visitors. We didn't have anything for like random parking stuff. We didn't have anything for for the lunch menu and like being able to vote on the lunch menu and 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 all of these different things that that you would have and and the practical things like in a meeting room and and scheduling, making sure people are in there at the right time and using that room or, or packages arriving or door access being on something you don't forget somewhere. So so this is some a, a problem. It's a suite of problems that really interested me because it's something that is so good in some companies like Google, Facebook, Apple, they built all their own versions of all of these independently without talking to each other and not available commercially. They basically made it for themselves because they saw such a strong need. And then you look at all these other companies and it's not like they don't have the need. There's companies that are much bigger than these companies. There's companies that have a lot of different uh, uh, like compliance requirements, security requirements. So it was very interesting to see this. And, and I was kind of like, well, I see that it is possible to change things because Twitter was starting to build up all these systems on their own uh, internally as well, but slowly from, from scratch. And it just, it became a little silly to see kind of these companies dedicating full-on engineers and product managers and, and even like designers to these, these uh, back office almost problems um, and, and, and they just kept on redoing it. So I guess the impetus was I looked around and I noticed that like, oh, I think I noticed why this is happening. And, and the reason was just because the, the, the vendors that were available for this kind of thing, the vendors that are available to like kind of 
uh, treat your uh, visitors the best that you can. The vendors that are available for like making sure you have the most space efficiency in, in your workplace and that you're utilizing one area of the office just as much as the other and, and meeting rooms and all that. This was not available in a way that the companies, at least around here, who have extremely high expectations, uh, these companies would never use the kinds of software that was available uh, on the market at the time. It was running on these old like Dell machines from like the 80s or 90s on these like 10 year support contracts that like they couldn't get out of and like all these different legacy ways of doing it. So it just seemed like a very clear, obvious place where there's a real uh, transformation possible. And, and then we started Envoy and we started with the, the most obvious spot possible, which is the front desk. Uh, because we felt that if we build really great software that people would really enjoy using and and just like being part of, they would they would definitely bring it to their own company. And that's exactly the motion that has brought us to our companies today. We're in these in these fourteen thousand offices. It got there because people see our software, they use it to sign in. They they kind of have to to like meet their their host, but then they like on their own remember it, and they're like, oh, this wasn't terrible. This was actually kind of okay, and and it was easy, and and we got all this stuff out of the way too, and and then and then they bring it to their own company, and it's that I guess like loop that has gotten us into so many different offices, and and now we're just changing everybody's minds about like, hey, you know, there's a lot more going on in the office that's in that exact same broken state, and and we're really excited because now we're getting to build for it. We we now have like something. It's like 150 people all working to build different products around the workplace where we're planning on releasing a whole lot more. Uh, with Protect, we've launched a whole bunch and we're actually pulling in a lot of stuff too. We can talk more about that. Um, but it's it's really cool because we're we're just like now executing on this vision uh, faster than ever. And 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 companies are, are now actually thinking about their workplace, which is wonderful because there's so much innovation and so much excitement in store for them. When you first came to my attention, you just raised, I don't know, was it your seed or series A with Andrews and Horowitz? At that point, did you have a product? Did you have revenue? You know, what was it, um, you know, that Andrews and Horowitz, you, you know, kind of saw, again, you've got like a, a rock star VC coming in, you know, for somebody that's just, you know, uh, building their first company. What was the picture there? That's a great question uh, because it is, it, it was, it's first of all, like most uh, exciting and, and big impactful things, luck was a very, very big part of it. So um, I'm sure that they signed in at some company that they invested in or something like that. And then they're like, oh, hey, this is interesting. And, and it got the, it in their mind and eventually critical mass happened internally and then they reached out. But Honestly, what the way that that fundraising happened, it was it was a probably something like that that led to them reaching out, and B, um, it was just the fact that we had customers already, and we had big customers. Like these were like not not just like random companies. These were these were like legit. Like it's like people like at the time it was like GoPro and Yelp. And, and like, I think we had Fitbit at the time too, and, and, and a bunch more. And these are like all big brands that, that like, don't just like pick something and, and it's like, okay, cool, whatever it is, just shove it in front of people. Like these are companies that have a lot of provo processes, have a lot of like people like designers that are involved in making these kinds of decisions, uh, even for facility software. So I think that what they noticed was that this is unusual to see a company be able to organically kind of attract these kinds of customers 
Um, and, and at the time, I think I'm trying to remember our numbers. It was, I know when we did our seed round, it was like 30 customers and I was pitching like 32 and I was very nervous because the two customers might not convert in time for, by the time I pitched to the person. So I like was concerned I wouldn't like be saying something wrong, but by the time we were at our series a, I think it was at least about a hundred customers that we had. And, and, and it was like, it was a team of like two, maybe three people at the time. And, and, and you can be sure none of us were actually salespeople or actually knew what we were talking about, but um, it was just through product design and product, uh, the way we built it, that, that people were, were very interested. And, 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 and you always kind of want the, the product to, to kind of merit its way into a company. Um, and today, it's, it, I, I feel it still does that very strongly, uh, though uh, what we do have is, is people to navigate the very complex world of enterprise sales uh, which is uh, incredibly wild and and actually a very interesting challenge on its own. But it's uh, so, yeah, you, you kind of need a whole company for that. Since those days, obviously, you know, you guys have been scaling, uh, and then COVID has happened sort of this year. Um, it's not ha- happened to only just uh, I guess the world, many SaaS companies, but then particular industries are, are, are you know have been sort of badly hit. And I think I think those um, you know uh, within the kind of the workspace of the you know, the companies that are like renting out offices and companies that, uh, you know, typically would use, you know, products like uh, Envoy, uh, you know, uh, certainly, you know, feeling, um, you know, the adverse effects uh, as well. So specifically to, to you guys, you know, what was the impact, uh, you know, of COVID or, or still is? Yeah, no. Uh, so so let, let's be very clear. COVID is not great for companies that uh, sell software for the workplace. Let's just be super clear here because that's that's, I think, a very... Uh, important point like any if, if if you were selling anything to a physical workplace and then COVID hits where literally though the one major big change is that everybody has to go home and and no you cannot come into the office uh in 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 and in some cities by law um that that causes that causes some issues it forces people to kind of decide are you going to be uh are you going to be working on building for like your current thing and are you just going to be telling your your company a story about like no just hang in there and continue doing the exact same thing and don't worry we'll come out of this and we'll be stronger than ever or are you going to be telling your company we need to stop we need to rethink about what we're doing and it doesn't matter how long covid goes we need to find a real way of of leveraging this and really being and and being stronger because of covid and and let's change all our things to make sure that we are we adapt to the environment and honestly i feel that this is where silicon valley uh, shines most it's it's it, it, a lot of like my founder friends and just just people in in general around here it's the mindset of like okay cool we have to change everything now because this is just how the world works and and we're going to so um uh, this is definitely the mindset that i i went into it and and our company went into it and honestly the executive team that that we've built at envoy has just been absolutely incredible in wanting big change all the time so so this has been really really helpful because um it, when COVID hit we're like, okay, what are we going to do to appeal directly to COVID? Because we do not want to be those companies that just kind of sit by and and hope it ends quickly. So one of the big discussions, even like a month in, a big discussion that started happening is companies were starting to talk about going back. And and obviously everyone's talking about going back, but it's like, how do you do it safely? Because a lot of these companies were just kind of like putting people back in uh, and, and it's kind of like, well, whatever, they may get sick or not. Like, we're not sure, but like, we're not liable, right? Because it's like, uh, an act of God, so like no one's liable here. So let's shove people back into the workplace. 
and it's like that's not exactly a great a great story for anyone and and caring about your folks so we were really thinking about this idea around like what can we do to make the return to work safer and and it's it, it comes through a variety of protocols it comes through and this is literally what our envoy protect product suite does today but it's around asking literally just simply asking people hey uh have you been sick have you had covid do you know someone that has that you've been near and and have you had these kinds of symptoms uh it's around also when they come in um acknowledging that they've come in so you can keep track that okay these people could be the people that could be if if something does break out we know that these people could have been impacted so we need to have that list so we can tell them hey fyi somebody was sick that day you should know this because you were there that day uh, and then it's around like uh, how many people are in the office as well. There's all sorts of things around the, the uh, I guess, density of people in, in an office. You can't have that be very high right now like people did in the past because the, the, the percentage and likelihood of, of uh, contracting this thing is, is much, uh, much higher. So basically what the Envoy uh, Protect product suite does is it combines all of these different things so we use pre-registration, our pre-registration functionality from before. Now we're adapting it for employees. And then the sign-in functionality that we have before when people tap on the iPad, that's done through your phone now uh, using the Envoy mobile app that we already had, but it was mostly designed for visitors. Now it's more than ever designed for employees and, and it, 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 it further accelerates us now to being able to uh, show all this information to employees as well. So now you get to see your, your meeting rooms as well and what packages you have waiting for you. And, and when things are back to normal, what visitors are waiting for you uh, at the front desk too. So it's kind of like we're able to pull in all these different products that we've been kind of working on and, and unify them all. But at the same time, we're able to help with a lot of the safety and, uh, and, and those kinds of concerns in, in the workplace. And, and the, our existing customers absolutely love it because it's literally what they bought the visitor's product for, but now they can use it for their own employees. And, and they know that our company is obsessive about an experience that employees would love using. So they just go with, with, uh, with, with our existing uh, product suite. And, and I think it's been wonderful. And, and the teams internally at our company have loved it. They love seeing new people on multiple products. And, and our customers too have been like, wow, I didn't know this, this kind of stuff was even waiting here. So, so it's been super motivating for all of us internally and, and the customers, of course, as well. Can you talk us through like some of the steps of the pivot? Sort of realizing that rather than, you know, sit and wait for this to kind of blow over because we don't, you know, we don't know. And having that mindset, as you say, Silicon Valley yep. mindset of creating this, this new product. How did you go about that from that kind of like that, that first sort of like idea uh, realization? Um, and did you have the idea or was it somebody in the company? I mean, not that it necessarily matters, and then through to we've got a product and we've got a first customer. Can you talk me through a little bit of some of those steps? Yeah, like any idea, it's it's uh, it's a rendition of fifty other ideas that were all pitched around a table slash like in different Slack channels or or whatever. So that's uh, I, I'm not sure where exactly the origin of the of the idea came from. Honestly, it was probably from our customers just because they wrote in asking like, how can you help us this way? And uh, but I know that I was personally involved in at least. I, dozens of these like in-person meetings. It wasn't in-person because it was on Zoom, but it was with the customer's main decision makers. And they were literally saying, 
hey, uh, we're, uh, we've been asked to come up with a plan for when we do return. And we realize it may still be a few months, but what can you guys help us with? Because our door access vendor isn't really answering our emails and, uh, and, and you guys have been working with us already so well. So it's like, what would you like? like what, what can you do? And, and you, are you guys building things? So, so definitely customers reaching out and customers kind of wanting to work with us directly and iterating directly is, is one of the things that, that made this possible. Um, but honestly, the thing that caused us to really think about like, hey, we need a plan here is just around, it was, and we did a blog post about this where literally the visitors traffic that we had into our, into our offices um, or, or into, into like the offices globally of, of all the companies dropped something like 80 or 90% uh, over the span of maybe, what was it, like a week? So uh, that's a one of the core metrics that we use to kind of see like the health of the service, to see kind of the growth and and also to see, um, and that is our core product. So so that's, it was, is mostly around that product. And and then it's like, huh, okay, this is this is dropping a lot. And, and you can imagine, of course, like we're, we're like, we see a massive drop and we expected something, um, but nobody really thought about like, well, what could it be? How big could it be? And, and then there was some time where we were like, okay, well, maybe what we should do is like really focus on, on the companies that have to still be in, at the workplace despite the, the thing. So um, one, an example would be like factories and warehouses and, and lab equipment, places where they have lab equipment. So like these pharma companies, uh, they all still need it. It doesn't matter if they, um, like they can't work from home basically. And, and that's, that's like, we were thinking about that. But then it's just more and more customers were like, hey, how can you help us? And, and, and do you have any ideas about how we can return to work uh, properly? And it just became very clear, like we're gonna have tons of customers to, to test with. Um, and also in the end, like we, we talked with, with our, our customer success team and product team, we probably talked to hundreds of these customers to, to come up with a proper um, uh, plan for this. And, and iterating with, with hundreds of, of beta, of like private beta customers, is is a crazy experience let me tell you um because you have a team internally as well that's good at executing kind of like on a longer roadmap so they can start like kind of parallelizing things and and building a pipeline and, and moving quickly that way on multiple things but now with COVID, a lot of those things are no longer relevant so what we had to do was basically put them back on a single stream that changes literally every single maybe other day and at least weekly, the entire roadmap changes weekly. So this internally, it was definitely a big problem uh, where, where people were like, whoa, 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 this is like totally not, not the, the system I'm used to. And, and there's just a lot of thrash. And, and I totally empathize because it literally was that. And that's what we were asking. And going into it, like it's, it's, I remember our, our VP of end was just like, Hey, just like FYI, this is kind of going to cause a lot of thrash on the team right now. And, and this won't be great. We can still do it. And I think we should still do it, but like, we need to be ahead of it. So this required a lot of communication with the internal team. This required a lot of like, Hey, here's why we're doing this. And I still think today we're not the best at, at communicating internally as to why we're really like, this is really important. That's really important. It seems like a simple problem, but but when it comes to it, there's just so many different parties, so many different like things that are being built, so much different context that uh, makes it really really tough to to communicate with everyone. Communicate with everyone um, uh, the reasons why for everything. But 
once we got it out there and, and the usage started coming in, uh, especially around Envoy Mobile, um, people were like, okay, this is really a thing and like it's working and this is a product we've been, we've been trying to get traffic to for a long time and now it's like, it's coming to us. We don't even have to like really like force it or anything like that. And that's what's, that's what's wonderful. It's allowed us to kind of be more natural about how we execute on things and, and more customer focused. What's the the biggest lesson that you've learned in the last three months? So uh, you can you can say more than one, but if you want to just give us one lesson that you've learned over the last few months. Ooh, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I've learned I've learned a lot, and the company has learned a lot. And honestly, this has been the fastest moving period of our company ever uh, by far. And and honestly, it's really around explaining kind of the why behind everything, and and really focusing on the customer impact. As opposed to um, as as opposed to maybe like focusing on here's all the money that we're making or here's all the like long term revenue or or the the subscriptions or that kind of thing. It's really about kind of motivating by by hey we are helping save people's lives. Hey, we're helping people like in a in a moment where like they don't really know what exactly to do. We're we're helping people when when it's it, there's all these other factors going on outside and like we're one of those companies that are actually out there building and and creating and I think I think that that's like one of the strongest ways of getting a group of folks to really understand why they're doing things. Um, whereas it's very very easy, especially in B two B SaaS. B two B SaaS is notorious for for just like revenue driven development where literally everything gets tied to, well, this company is going to pay us so much money. We have to do what they want. And, and, and though I empathize with kind of the, the folks kind of trying to get that through, because at the end of the day, that also gets lots of people to experience Envoy. Um, it's just, it seems a little, especially for the engineering teams and the product teams, uh, it's, it's definitely no way to, to, to build innov- innovative things and, and, and exciting creative things too. So, so that's something that internally, this is a thing that I push for extremely aggressively to, to focus on kind of the impact. Um, but it's, I can just imagine at other companies kind of, uh, I, I see it now more than ever, how, how much this focus is, is important. It seems that uh, perhaps the, the mission or, you know, the vision of, of Envoy, or let's say mission, uh, is now perhaps greater than it, you know, it previously was with what you're doing with Envoy Protect. As you said, you're literally you know, saving people's lives right, with this, this product. Yeah. So, so ha- have you found that uh, this has uh, got a really good response from the team, that the team perhaps are, like there's been a change in the team in terms of not to say that they weren't motivated before, but now they're seeing a bigger mission on what Envoy can do. Have you seen any kind of, of that impact in a positive way? For sure. I mean, well, you have a bunch of people who now are like, we had all these other products and mobile and that kind of thing. All these people are now seeing significant traffic on those products. So, so this is, um, it, it was there before, but now it's kind of like growing at a much higher percentage in, in relation to, to kind of the core product. So, so it's kind of like, okay, we have this multi-product adoption that's, that's going way better than ever before, but it's also kind of like, it, it's much more unified as well. So, so they can tell their friends and, and they can, like, this is great for recruiting. This is great for, for all sorts of other, other pieces around the company. Um, our mission has, has always been kind of to challenge the status quo of the workplace. And, and though in the past that kind of meant more like an experience focus where it's like, hey, don't do things the old way. Don't just put paper everywhere because that's the way that like you did it like five companies ago. Uh, now it's, and, and that's still a reality that like we are, we are, we are actively like uh, uh, moving against. 
Um, however, now it's kind of also around like, we need to challenge the status quo of how people do like safety and security. Uh, I think we, we noticed a lot of airport change when, when kind of the events happened a long time ago. And then there's now all this like super overbearing kind of the airport security where you have to do all these different things for your protection. And, and it's kind of like super overbearing. And, and I think like, especially if you look at a lot of the other vendors that are trying to like latch onto this kind of return to work ecosystem, it, like it's basically bringing the TSA into your office. And, and, and it's kind of like, guys, I don't think that like, this is the right process for this. Do you really want everyone in your office to be kind of like having a temperature check every like 10 minutes and, and being like checked for, Hey, like, are you sure you didn't? And, and, and like, you have to make the only way people are going to have safety and security and, and confidence in their workplace is if everybody is bought in on, on participating in doing these different things in the workplace and, and holding each other accountable too. There shouldn't have to be IT or facilities or, or security having to like keep an eye on everyone to make sure that they are actually going through that right door and they did actually fill out the thing. Like, you shouldn't, no, nobody in facilities, by the way, and security wants to be that person either. They've just kind of been forced to in the past because there weren't great solutions available for them to actually do this. So kind of what we're doing is, and, and just being a very experienced and design focused company, we kind of took those same uh, values and brought them to this process. So now it's easy. People don't mind it. And it's, and it's just like, it's, it's, it's just like, you don't have to think about it. And, and then you get all of the different safety and stuff you would have gotten through, through much more overbearing checks anyways. So our whole hypothesis is that we're, we're challenging the status quo of the workplace, but it's also of like the way people do security now, where there's so much pressure to do like all these different temperature body scans and, and, and these overbearing things. Um, we feel that there's much better ways of doing them. And that's, that's kind of what makes our job really hard uh, because we have to like actually look at things in depth and not just build the thing that sounds really good. Because there's a lot of companies selling a lot of things that sound wonderful, but then when you actually use them, they don't work. The accuracy is like one in 10. The, um, it's, it's, a, it's a really a creepy experience. Um, and, and I know that people are like more than willing to reduce some of their rights because they want the safety and security in the workplace. But do they really have to? And, and that's, that's kind of like where we're trying to challenge that status quo. It, it's always a challenge uh, being a CEO, uh, running a company, uh, especially whether it's the first time, probably definitely harder the first time uh, you, you know, than the, the second time, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and, and definitely a challenge, I think, being a CEO in 2020 and, uh, and, and be a challenge being a CEO of, of a company that you know, builds software for, for the workplace, as you said, when you saw you know, like 80% of people stopping going to the workplace. Um, so with all these kind of challenges of like being a CEO and being a CEO you know, within your, your particular uh, industry or the product that, that you serve, how, how have you sort of personally stayed, like looked after yourself and stayed healthy and sane? So that you come in every day and, you know, you're, you're, you, you can give 100%, you know, for you and for the, for the team? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. I think everybody's gone a certain level of crazy, that's for sure. Um, and, and we just have to like, we just have to acknowledge that that's how, that's how it is. I think everybody's a little bit different and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, so that's, that's A. Uh, B, I would say that there's like, 
it's it's seeing our team uh, like execute on things and building these new things is incredibly motivating for a person like me, where that values uh, building so much. So so that's just like naturally been very very helpful. And then and then it's also like our uh, we did some very like kind of. Um, uh, like tactical things as well. Like on a daily basis, we we basically had uh, and still have a stand up for for our Envoy Protect product suite where we're looking like, hey, what are the major functionality people are asking for? What do we need to change? Where are we at? And then also uh, we have a, an executive team stand up every single day as well. So then it's around like, hey, how's your team doing? What kind of issues are coming up? And and that kind of thing. Um, it can be pretty tough though, because a lot of people right now are taking this very differently. Some people are totally fine with it, but uh, most people are like a little bit of like, this is really weird just being in this working from home. There's people screaming in the background, my roommate that I didn't expect I'd be near is nearby so often. And, and I think there's a lot of personal stuff going on, especially with like kids. If you have kids like that is the, like the biggest thing that is on those people's minds, because like, it's, it's like, you kind of want to be with the kids and it's super cute when they come on the, on the thing. Um, but it's, it's also kind of like for them, they're kind of like, okay, like I, I kind of want that on command, not like at random, uh, especially if they're like having a tough conversation with someone and like a kid comes in, like, what do you do? So there's all sorts of this kind of stuff that's happening. And, and I think that people, some people are taking it not well at all. And, and there's a lot of kind of like, when, when, when this kind of thing happens, like a cynicism can happen and people are just like kind of, they're, they're not sure when it's gonna end. And, and we keep pushing the date back as to when we expect people to return back. And, and that, that unease is causing a lot of problems too. Like this kind of constantly changing environment is certainly not for everyone. I do feel that our company has been able to like kind of stay pretty stable regardless, but I can just imagine in a company that's much bigger where people joined literally for the stability and now they have to deal with like all of this COVID stuff, like that's got to get wild. And, and for those teams, those, those executive leadership teams and, and those CEOs that like basically just take everything super personally every time there's something that's, that's, that goes wrong, um, it's definitely a bit of a, it's definitely a bit, it's a challenging period for, for every uh, leader, that's for sure. Um, but hey, if you're building stuff, if you're creating new things, if you're surrounded by people you love working with, um, that's what's going to bring you through the period. It's been great speaking to you. Uh, I think there's say like five years uh, since that initial uh, Q and A, uh, and uh, yeah, really inspiring uh, story in terms of you know the the, the pivot there. Um, really appreciate you uh, being on the show today. Well, thanks so much for having me, and and we'll talk in another five years, right? Hopefully, a little sooner. <laughs> Hopefully sooner. Hopefully sooner. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS Doc conferences around the world.